uh, as we mentioned early on, we're going to memorize uh, the highlight of each chapter. So far, it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little more complex, but it's not bad. Chapter 1. What, what do we memorize in chapter 1? Jesus is better than the angel. Okay, lock it away. Chapter 2, we start today. Hence, don't drift away. Don't drift away. As, as Peter said, well, we've got no place to drift to. We've got no place to go. So there's no options. So, Jesus is better than the angels. And don't drift away. Everybody good with that? All together now. Chapter 1. Jesus is better than the angels. Chapter 2. Don't drift away. Boom. Good. Good, good, good. Boom. That's the old school teacher coming out. I was going to say, did you feel like you're back in the school classroom? The, the three uh, R's of learning. Repetition. Repetition and repetition. 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 Reading, writing, and arithmetic. No, repetition, repetition, repetition. That's how you learn. I, I believe. Uh, what was the what was the Hebrews problem really when you boil it all down? Law of Moses. What about the law of Moses? First of all, let me go back just a touch, uh, a little bit of what Greg was saying. Um, what were the conditions? What what were they living? What were the conditions they were living under at the time to make them want to go back? Persecution. Uh, they're big on, on family, and family now is beginning, in some cases, to turn against them. Uh, you hear people say sometimes a family is number one. No, it's not. Really not. Jesus is number one. And we don't turn back, even if it means offending family. We don't do it. They were struggling with that. They were struggling with that. Uh, Jesus came not to perfect Judaism. That wasn't his, his goal, perfect Judaism. He came to set, uh, uh, to do something new. Well, what, what did the law lack? Forgiveness of sin. <clears throat> Forgiveness of sin. What was the law's purpose? Teacher. A teacher, schoolmaster, to bring us to Jesus, to identify sin, to let people know what sin was. And the penalty for it. And the penalty for it. And without Jesus, what was the penalty? There's no hope. There's no hope. So. Uh, there, you see some rhetoric in, 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 in We see some rhetoric in this where I'll probably get to you in a second. Where um, um, I go ahead, I lost the track. Sorry. So, well, in the Old Testament, you had to, in order to get forgiveness, you had to do like a burnt offering, right? Okay. Um, we yeah, that river thing you had to do, there was no forgiveness. It was just the sin basically roll forward. I'm not going to get into all that. That's not the purpose of this class, but roll it forward till Jesus came. Uh, God overlooked it, the New Testament says, so, as it were, overlooked it. No. Um, when you see the word therefore, always ask yourself, what's it there for? <laughs> so the very first word in Hebrews chapter 2 is therefore. Alright, that being the case, 
What's it there for? What? It's connecting something. It's connecting two thoughts. What's a thought? What's What's it tying in? What's it What's it connecting? Jesus is better than the angels. Somebody turn to Acts chapter seven and verse fifty-three. You may have to go back up to verse fifty-two to get somewhat of a of a context, but. When you get there, someone read Acts 7, uh, verses well, 53 is what I'm looking for, but we'll do 52 also. Dennis, you got that? Yeah. You who received the law as ordained by angels, and yet did not keep it. So, did angels have a big role in delivering the first law? It sure did. Now, do you think the, the Hebrews here were taking great comfort in that? They were. Look what all chapter one's all about. It's part of chapter two. That that Jesus is much greater than the angels. Which of the angels did he ever say, "Sit at my right hand"? Which of the angels? Uh, and the answer is rhetorical again. It's that rhetoric. Uh, the answer is none. No, he never said that to any angel or angel. Were they messengers? Yes. Did they accomplish his will? Yes. But they were not enough. They were not enough. So, therefore, if, if, if under the old law, if you neglected the old law, was there a penalty for that? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Is there a greater penalty? Verse 1, verse 2. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. That... If there was a penalty for disobeying the original law, and there was, you can rest assured there's a big penalty for resisting Jesus. Do not go back to that, because there, there, was, there was a penalty then. There's a bigger penalty now. Uh, the things that we have heard, the things we have heard, um, lest we drift away. The idea of drifting away in the original language is... Um, have you ever sat by the riverbank or a creek or something when you were kids, or even older, and you see the water just bringing the leaves by, just drifting along, floating down to a very calm uh, place. One of my happy places to see those kinds of things. Uh, that's this picture here. Don't get caught up in life where you're just drifting along. And it's comfortable. You're just drifting along. You get comfortable. You're just drifting along. Another idea is that it's like a ship with no anchor. What, what in the original language, that's, that was one of the inflections of that, of, that, of that idea, is that we just drift along. There's no anchor. So what does an anchor do? That's back from our biggest uh, summer Bible series. Jesus is our anchor. We'll see that here around verse 10 or 11, somewhere in there. Uh, he's the captain. He's the pioneer of, of our souls. Uh, the idea, if, if this original, the Old Testament was firm, the idea being it was valid, it was reliable, it was sure. It was sure. If that's true, rhetoric, if that's true, you better believe it's more true with Jesus. That, that's the point. And why do you want to go back? Why do you ever want to go back? Um, questions or, or, or thoughts on that? 
Oh, I, I know what stuff that's got. Uh, go ahead, John. I was just uh, talking to Don Johnson this morning because um, I didn't want to ask the question in class because I thought it might take too much time away from uh, your teaching. But I did ask him. I said, "Why? Why was this first chapter even addressing angels?" I was like, "I thought the law came to the people through Moses." He wasn't addressing angels. Well, but that's what he said. He said he explained that. Um, like even Moses was the messenger, and I didn't get that. Mm -hmm. However, he also explained that there was a sect of the Jews that revered angels, and I didn't know that. Yes. I, I was unaware of that, and I thought, okay, well that makes total sense then why he would address this whole first chapter to that subject. Bingo, you hit it right on the head. That's right. It, uh, they, they put such, we might say, put such stock in angels, do we see that today even? We do. That that he, he wanted to set the angels, so to speak, in their proper perspective with Jesus. Good point. Thank you for that question. I, that's, that's, that's not a dumb question. It might be a dumb answer on my part, but it's not a dumb question. Uh, great. Just fast forward. To, by the time we get to the end of the book, we're going to see all the different ways Jesus is better than anything they might look back to the law and put comfort in. And so in a sense, it, it may or may not have been that they were specifically, oh, I think because of angels, it's, it's, it's better than Jesus. Essentially, the Hebrew writer is just picking anything they could think of from the law. And he's showing up. He'll show us all of those things by the time we get to the end of how Jesus is better than the totality of it. That's and right. so that's kind of the first place, but it's not the only place he's building. No, that's a really good point, and, and we've got our, uh, you should be able to fill up both sides of that sheet before we get through chapter 13, how, how much better Jesus is. Be sure to fill that in as we go. Lisa? I just like to focus on the drifting away, because rarely is it a catastrophic event and someone turns away from God. We tend to drift, and then we, we drift further and further until mm -hmm. mm -hmm. we're lost. How do we drift today? Uh, this is open for anybody, but go ahead, Lisa. starts failing. Attendance is all that kind of having questions, and you don't talk to people about those questions. You mm -hmm. just look to yourself for answers instead of God's word and God's people. I mean, there's. It, 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 drift. That's excellent. Anybody else? How do we drift? Priorities. Uh, Priorities or distractions. Could Janelle? Could we be doing the right things, good things, or not illegally immoral, or or don't taste good? But they become a distraction. And it takes us away from our focus. That's really good. Now, see, heads nodding. Have you been there? I have. I have. You're going to drift away. And I, I, I read this. I didn't write this, but I like it. Inattention. Okay, stay with me. Inattention leads to refusal. Think about it. Anybody want to explain that to me? Or to the class? Inattention leads to refusal in the ultimate. Not all at once. <clears throat> Tony? Well, because if you, I think if you follow the habit of doing what, you know, being obedient, you eventually are not going to want to be obedient. Okay. Uh, how else can we drift away? That's good. How else can we drift away? You said that's okay. okay. Uh, how else can we drift away? 
I think that when, kind of like what Janelle was saying, when we don't have our priorities in order, there's a part of us that starts to distance ourselves from things of the church and activities, focusing on like support things, uh, like the devotionals and things like that, where we maybe sometimes unintentionally choose not to make anything that's going to help our faith a priority and it then becomes a way of I don't have time I don't have this yeah. I don't have that which is kind of going along with that refusal piece where you may not just outright say no I will not do that but your actions and lack of attendance and lack of involvement show that that's the first cousin of what Janelle said that's well said that is so true and there, with all the heads I've seen nodding I suspect Maybe you are there. I, I, I don't know. But that is so true. How else, Dennis, can we drift away by, and it was touched on even in Jared's lesson today. But you, you said to touch, to touch on what, what the, the, the added to what they were saying, is that we drift away slowly. Yeah. It's not an instant process where we just quit. It's a slow That's process. That's excellent. When you're by this little creek, or in Kentucky, lots of creeks and rivers, if there's a flood, those are, there's not much comfort in there. The leaves go, whoop, they're gone. Slowly. It's a, it's a process. It's a slow process. And the next thing you know, you're choked. The world cares can choke you. That's true. Go ahead, go ahead, John. I'll, I'll be right back. Um, I was just going to say, a lot of times people do have doubts, fears. Anxiety uh, if they do not let God's word help them and lead them the right way. Mm, okay, that being gonna, uh, you're hundred percent right. That being said, God's word, what about that? God's word can can direct us, keep oh, us on course. Okay. Help us, comfort us. How does it do that? You read it. When we read You gotta read it. <laughs> you gotta read it. Thank you. Thank you. You gotta read it. Not only read it. Study it. That's one of the reasons the elders said this year and last year too. If you only, if you only got 10, 15 minutes a day, read Acts 6. This week could be Acts 7 and try to memorize a, a, a main thing, a topic of each chapter. Uh, now that's just skimming the surface, but it's a start, isn't it? It's a start. Keep reading. Keep studying. We have I had a perfect example of drifting away with COVID. We had it here in our congregation. We've had it in my home congregation back in Texas. We, I know, you know, it was just, we didn't come for several weeks. And then, well, I'll go next Sunday. And I'll, there may be somebody sick, so I'll wait and go next Sunday. Uh, it, it's easy to do. It's easy to do. And get, does your conscience bother you for a while? Does it bother you as much later? Well, it can, uh, but but not usually. It gets easier. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I've always said with my kids, any relationship you have is work, and your relationship with God should be the most important relationship Amen. that you have. And if you don't work at it, it doesn't work. And that's where things start. You just stop doing things, and then it becomes easy. Yeah. And, and it's it is work. It's hard work. 
with anything that you do like that, and you have to dedicate the time to it, that that should be the first thing that you dedicate your time to, and then everything else falls into place. Denise, that was so well said. Uh, it is work. Is, is, is a marriage work? Brought yeah. in here. No. <laughs> she's teaching. She, she's teaching. Yeah, that's right. Uh, of course it's work. It's work. It's great work. It's, it, it's, it can be hard work. The probably the second most rewarding thing you can ever have on this earth is a, is a is a wonderful relationship with your with your spouse. And a relationship with God, of course, being number one, but it's work. You may have to turn the TV off. And two hours on Facebook, maybe you can do it in 15 minutes. It's distracting. It, we lose our focus. We, uh, it, it's so true. It becomes easier. But it's work. It, it, it's work. Okay, Michelle? Um, another thing, and I think these all kind of are intertwined. This mm -hmm. is kind of signals or red flags, but um, your prayer life. Um, can start to get spotty, um, which is usually a sign of self-reliance. Um, and I think it's easy for us to feel things are going well, I got this on lockdown, and not acknowledging really the source of all good things and your hope. And I think that's one of the a big red flags. Absolutely, Austin. <coughs> it's kind of well, and she, maybe because we're related, we were kind of starting to think the same way, but you know, the, the, the beauty of the drifting process is that it's just that. It, it, it doesn't happen overnight. So if you can find these triggers, yeah. you know, a prayer life, an attendance, that a, what, find your own trigger and recognize it, and you, you can you have time to correct it because it's not so drastic. You do. So there's a benefit to it being gradual if you're self-aware, which is difficult to do. No, that's absolutely true. Do you see the Lord's wisdom and when he says, I want, I want you guys to get together every week? Yeah. I want you to remember the Lord's Supper every week. I want you to give every week. We need each other. Amen. We do. And sitting at home, we all had to do it. COVID, COVID hurt the church. Uh, in your pajamas drinking coffee say well I, I'm happy or comfortable there well that's fine how are you encouraging us sitting at home uh, but it was those are tough times and I hope we never see that two years again uh, the word transgression here is it's an interesting word in the Greek it carries with it the idea of outward things outward things uh, we, we do, we can sin outwardly. Isn't that correct? Of course, we all know that. The word disobedience in the, in the, in the Septuagint, uh, the Hebrew translated to the Greek, um, is intentional neglect to hear. So, so with, stay with me. So there are these outward things we can do to sin. And we don't, <laughs> turn the news on. Uh, we understand those, don't we? It's also, he says, be careful you don't neglect your inward nature and what you're neglecting to do. So, th those words are so interesting to me. You can sin outwardly, of course, but you can sin inwardly, and one of those things is neglect. 
which is back to back, back to some of the things that, that, that we said that you all said. Uh, well, what's the? Uh, he said you have to escape this. What's the? What's our escape? Escape from from the old law compared to the new law. What is our escape? Jesus. That's where our sins are washed away. You're right. But it's Jesus. So he is just, he's building this wall a brick at a time. And when we get to chapter 13, it's going to be a solid wall of do not turn back. There's nothing to, there's nothing to turn back to. Now notice in verse 3, uh, it was spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Now, how was that confirmed? I'm giving you a little, little, little tip here. Uh, how was how was his word confirmed? How was the apostles' word confirmed? Signs, signs, wonders, or some miracles, or signs, wonders, and miracles. And the idea of of each of these words, a sign. If you if you're on the road, you're going to. Texas. Don't know why you want to go there, but anyway. What do signs give you? Directions. Direction. Information. So what Jesus and the apostles spoke gave information. There were signs. Now that was confirmed by uh, wonders. The word there is uh, it carries out the idea of an awesome nature of things. And then a miracle, it's interesting, the word, and, and I struggle with English sometimes, so you know me in Greek. But anyway, the Greek word here is dunamis. Where we get our word dynamite. It's all, not quite a transliteration, but it's close. But close. That these miracles are God's dynamite. We understand what dynamite means and, and, and the nature of it. Remember what they told the apostles when uh, uh, Paul, you guys are turning this world upside down. Jesus turned the world upside down. Still is. It's God's dynamite. And we also notice that, um, see, I'm going to come over here. Gifts of the Holy Spirit, or gifts of the Spirit. Now, Austin and Michelle, they've seen this before, but it's a good way to remember it. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Now, first of all, what were the gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit at that time? Yeah. In, in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, it enumerates enumeration of, or list, if you want to call it list, list all of these signs. Tongues, prophecy, healing, you know, all, all that. that. That helped confirm this word we're talking about. Now, in, in chapter 13, it gives us duration, or What's another word for duration? How, how, long, long. how long is this going to last? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. 
And then chapter 14, it gives us regulation. What, what does that mean in, in the context of tongue? If, if, if you, uh, Paula has a gift of a tongue, and she's speaking, and someone else is, uh, by the Holy Spirit, gives them uh, a, a tongue, what's that person supposed to do on this regulation? Sit down and be quiet, and someone else do it. If there's no one there to interpret what? Be quiet. Regulation. So we talk about the, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Always remember 12, 13, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Enumeration, duration, regulation. It gives us a list, how long it's going to last, and here are the rules on using these miraculous gifts. Make a little bit of sense to you? So, signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, if we're listening to, you see, you go back two thousand years, and you got Chris here say he he's preaching on a corner, and Dennis is preaching on another corner, and they're not preaching the same thing. But Chris, uh, he just has the message. And I'm listening, and I got Dennis over here who's preaching the message, and he's also uh, healing the lame, healing the blind. Uh, raising the dead, casting out demons. Now, which one are you going to listen to? It, rhetoric again. Signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's what it did to the Word. It confirmed. It confirmed what was being said. Confirmed what was being said. Remember in Acts 8, what did uh, the Simon the, uh, <clears throat> the Sorcerer try to do with, with some of these uh, miracles? Could I buy this from you? Peter, not happy. He said, what did he say? Remember? Your money perished with you, brother. Your money died with you. You think this can be bought with money? Um, it's to confirm the word. Now, the duration. Well, I'm not. Have you seen anybody raised from the dead lately? A little bit of a side joke. We had a few extra minutes this morning. Have you uh, anybody raised the dead? Nobody can. You know why? According to 1 Corinthians 13, when that which is perfect is come or complete, what does James 1:25 say? Look into the perfect or complete law of liberty. These things were here until it was completed. It's completed according to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. Why? Because we have this. This has been attested to. Been attested to. Okay. Uh, questions, comments, um, anything on through verse 4? Going a little bit slower. That's okay. I, I feel like it's very valuable. Uh, whatever we don't get done, we'll finish Wednesday evening. Thoughts? Yes, sir? Um, we are talking about how we need to hear, listen to, um, and do, do things we should do. I think a big part of why we uh, drift away is we're not using what we've learned. 
and we're actually like taking action, like James talks about, actually being not only hearers but doers, mm -hmm. which is easier said than done. But that's a big part of why we drift away. We're not actually engaging. Doing. Doing. Doing what? God says. Okay. Doing for others. Yeah. Wait. You're saying that I may have to help other people out? Oh, that's correct. Are you saying that that may get in my bank account? Yes, that's what we're saying. That's what Jesus There are doers and there are people that talk about doing. There's a big difference. A big difference. Sure do wish there was now, a page limit on that, though. <laughs> it's, it's called your health. There are limitations as, as, as you get older. Greg? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you, I thought you had it. Okay, let's go. Good point. Let's go to verse 5. <clears throat> For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. There's that again. But one testified in a certain place, saying, That's interesting. That's Psalms 8. Yeah. It's interesting that he says, And one testified in a place, in a certain place. Mine says, In one somewhere. I have a thought on that. Anybody want to take a stab at that? Why he was not more specific? He just couldn't pinpoint it. No, I don't think that was it. He's not one Rick? of them to... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Michelle. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about it until okay. you... Well, I mean, I I had seen it, but I hadn't really spent a lot of time thinking about it. But maybe it's just they're having... There's so much focus for them looking back. And it's... I think that's a part of it. I don't know. Greg? Remember in Acts 17, Luke says those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures daily. When these men were preaching, they were referring back to the scriptures. And some people looked back to the scriptures firm. They knew their scriptures were to go to. This writer is doing that same thing. And so he expects them to know where these things, what these things were as he looks back on them. I think that's true. I think what Michelle uh, is true. I just I'll throw this out for your thoughts, or, or, or we don't know 100%. But when it says one testified in a certain place, he's not concerned about that one. Who's he concerned about? Jesus. He's not concerned about where it is. You should know that in Psalm 8. But the focus is on Jesus. It's not on who penned that psalm or who, who said that psalm. He's certainly not capable of saying that, but he didn't. Um, this is about Jesus. And he also knows his audience who he's dealing with. And he knows that he, if he mentions David's name or, you know, whoever, then it's like dealing with kindergartners. If you say a word, like... I've lost David, how about going over yeah, here? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he doesn't yeah. want them to focus on this. That's he's right. focusing on Jesus. And he it. knows the audience. He's got to keep the focus on Jesus. That's it. That is exactly or I think Well said. For he has not put the world. When I ask what this world means in a second, and I'll give you a hint, go back to chapter 1 and verse 6. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. Then he goes on to quote uh, uh, some, some things from Psalms 8. Uh, the world to come. Eternity? No. 
In the original, it, it's like a, a an age or a political sense. It can mean empire. Mean empire. So when you go back, <coughs> pardon me, to one verse six. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he didn't bring the firstborn into eternity. He brought him into this world. That's the same word. It's the same identical Greek word. So, um, for he has not put this world, this he's, of which we speak in subjection to angels, but he has put it in this this new realm, this new political age, this new this new testament period, this this thing that Jesus brought. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. Uh, any questions or thoughts on that? Now, the question becomes, I hope in your study you went to Psalms 8 and Psalms 110. It takes both. To know, are you talking about mankind like we are, or are you talking about Jesus? Or are you talking about both? And the people differ on this. Now he says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Now you've got to go back to Psalms 8. Or the son of man that you take care of him. You have made him a little lower than angels. Now did he make man a little lower than angels? Yes. Did he make Jesus temporarily a little lower than angels? Yes he did. So we can't tell from that. Exactly. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands and to put all things into subjection under His feet. Now there's truths there about Jesus, but remember what? When God created this world, who did He put this world under, if, you, if I can use that word? Man. Man. Adam named all the, all the animals. And he said, you sub, 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 subjugate this world. Basically, it reports to you while you're here. Can you imagine a great God allowing a worm like us to look after His creation on the earth? He did. That's awesome. That really is. Now, when you go back also to Psalms 8, now I wish we could just go on Psalms 8 and 110 for like two weeks. Um, I think when you get to Psalms 110, there, there are aspects that talks about Jesus. I think there's no doubt about that. I think there are aspects that talk about mankind. Purpose of this class to get into all the little intricacies? Probably not. But in your studies this week, look at Psalms 108 and Psalms 110 and try to figure out who he's talking to there. I think it will help you. Remember, the focus is on Jesus, not on angels. And he's put, uh, let me go to uh, the last part of verse 8 there. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. There's that phrase again. For the suffering of death, <clears throat> crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might taste death 
for everyone. Now, when you think of, put yourself in the Jewish shoes, if you can, 2,000 years earlier. Now, you're saying here, writer, that this Jesus is so much better than angels. Didn't they kill Jesus? They, we killed him. Do, are you, do you kill God? Uh, and you're saying he's better? How can he be better? Because he's dead. Uh, that's kind of, we think we're going back. This king you keep talking about, he's dead. They killed him. Well, verse 9 gives you the reason, the tail end of that. Why did Jesus, why did God allow his son to be killed? Why? He's better than angels. Don't drift away. Here's why. What is that question? That answer. He tastes death for everyone. He tasted death for everyone. Do angels die? No. He had to be made a little more than angels to die a disgraceful death for you and me. Let me caveat. I mean, to be specific, angels. Some angels will die eternally with the devil. But not like we're yeah, not physically like Jesus did. Okay. So how is Jesus lower than the angels? How? Because he became human. Hmm? He became human. He did become human. That's true. It's good. He became human for a while, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Thirty three so years. The, right, so that time he was human, he was born the angels. He was. No, that's exactly right. Someone turned to Romans 3.24, uh, and then someone turned to Ephesians 2 and verse 8. He was made lower than the angels, and we've already touched on it, but when you get to Romans 3.24, just read it out if you would loudly. and are justifi justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Jesus died for us to be redeemed through His death. And, th and that death appeared to be weakness. The Roman government, the people that killed Him, the, the, the Jews, uh, viewed that as a weakness. You don't kill a God. You don't kill God. But we killed Him. Well, how'd that work for you? Not, not very well. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. By grace, you are saved through faith. By God's grace, He sent Jesus. Lower than the angels. Temporary, Tony said. He died a cruel death that He can become, when we get to chapters 5 and chapter 7, uh, we have a high priest who understands us. He understands us. <clears throat> Explain. Oh, go ahead, Greg. You know, sometimes we stop thinking about Jesus' death at that death on the cross point. And he does, he understands what it is like for us to die. He understands what it's like to die a cruel physical death. Some people have died crueler deaths than him. What he tasted, what I think what this verse is pointing to, when he tasted death for all, Jesus tasted what we should never have to taste if we trust him separation from God. Imagine being the 
eternal Son of God, the one who the world was created through. You suffered separation from God so that you could become sin, pay the penalty of sin. And, and to me, this, this leads us into a really, really deep, when you really think about what Jesus did, it, it's shuddering to think of His physical death on the cross. Um, I don't even know how to comprehend what it means to be separated from God. I've never experienced it. I hope I never do. To me. Now, there's going to be tremendous pain and suffering and gnashing of teeth in hell. Forever. That, 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 that's enough. But being separated from the presence of God. Even drug dealers and murderers and, and uh, uh, all these people now, God still is aware of them. He still loves them. He's still hoping they will change. When we get, we, when, 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 when this judgment's over and people are in hell, God's presence is not there. You're on your own. To me, that, that, that's a tough, tough thing. God is not there. In addition to all the pain and suffering. Oh my word. And He's not ever going to be there. He's not ever going to be and when one million years are up, guess what? You get to start another million. It never stops. And he's saying, you want to go back? You can't go back. You can't go back. Someone explained this, um, this dichotomy, this, um, this seeming, seemingly contradictory message that Jesus had. Uh, you remember Matthew 18. Where what did the, the apostles ask Jesus? Oh, who's the greatest? <laughs> who's who's going to be the greatest in this kingdom? How Jesus answer that? He grabbed a little child aside, a little kid, and said, "Unless you become like one of these, you're not going to make it." Paraphrase there a little bit. Ooh. Humiliation is the way to exaltation. Someone want to give me a Reader's Digest on that? Humiliation is the way to exaltation. Was Jesus humiliated? Where is He now? Exalted to the right hand of God. Now, can it be humiliating in certain, certain areas? As a Christian, can it be? Can you be made fun of? Can you? We can fill in the blank on all these things. Yes. Are we greater than the Master? He was humiliated. He said, if, if I suffered on this earth, guess what? It's going to happen to you. You're going to suffer. The Hebrew writer says later, You've not suffered under blood yet. So what's your problem? Humiliation is the way to exaltation. This verse 11, I read it a million times like you all have. <clears throat> verse 11. For both He who sanctifies, that's Jesus, and those who are being sanctified or set apart, that's us, are all one. Not the first one, I hope. Yeah, yeah. Okay. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. There is not a world religion 
today, anywhere, where the Godhead calls you brother or sister. Not one. God does. Jesus does. He says, He's not ashamed to call us his brothers. Humiliation, exaltation. Go to any world religion and look at their God, little g, and see if they call me your brother at all. They don't. Only in Christianity. Only in Christianity. Thoughts on, on, on chapter 11. Oh, uh, verse 10, I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> the word captain there also has uh, the word in the original Greek of pioneer. I used this in one of our lessons at Summer uh, uh, Bible Series. Captain, because we had that nautical thing going on. But it also means pioneer. In what way was Jesus a pioneer? He's paving a new way. He paved a new way. He cut through all the undergrowth, if you will. What is the one thing that, that people are afraid of? I, drowning, I get all that. But what are we afraid of that Jesus eliminated? Yeah. The fear of death. Oh no. Fear of death. He was the pioneer. He's the captain. He sails the ship and he had to die first. He had to die first. And he's pioneering the way for us. We were younger. I don't have any, didn't think of death too often. Or eternity. Or the unknown out there. Uh, we do now. Don't we now? We do. We do. But without fear. But without fear. Now, is it going to be pleasant? Probably not. Uh, will you, could you go out in a lot of... Yes. But as Roger Shaw says, it's just going through the, this to the next door. Going through the door to the next room. To the next room. Being carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. Without Jesus and the record He left us, you better be afraid. And if you're not a Christian, no wonder you fight and scratch and claw. Because uh, this is all you got. You, you better live it up. It ain't gonna, it's, this is not going to be good. Tony, real quick, go ahead. Well, and even if um, even if hell that doesn't have physical suffering, does it does. Have, well, it does, yeah. But even if it didn't, just the fact you're separate from God, yeah, you can have all eternity to think about that. Yeah, yeah. You remember in Luke 16, we're alert on the other side. Remember what uh, Luke told, uh, what they told uh, Abraham told the, the the rich man. This is a tough one too, son. Remember? 
That is going to, you have eternity to remember. I remember the time I, I, I wasn't obedient. I remember how many times I turned down baptism. I remember how I treated them. I remember, remember, remember. Being separated from God, remembering all of the opportunities you had here in addition to um, uh, the pain and suffering forever. Because uh, you can't turn back. There's no place to go. No place to go. It's interesting here in verse 12. I know we got it. What, second one yet? No? No. Okay. Um, I'm not ashamed to call them brethren. Saying, I will declare your name um, to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. The assembly there is the same word we get the word church. Ecclesia. Assembly. Gathering. Church. Jesus said, I'll declare your names in the church. I'll declare your names in the assembly. Um, and we see that in Acts 20, verse 28, a, a, a little uh, corollary to that. And then really quickly, somebody said, uh, as we leave, thank you for all your wonderful thoughts today. The irony of Jesus' death. How is Jesus' death Ironic. He, he died without sin. We, we don't do that. Okay. He was the son of God. He was the son of God. He should have eternal life. What What did his death do for us? So we don't, we don't have to die. You see that? He died so we don't have to. That's huge. That's so huge. And you want to go back. And and I'm telling you, this wall gets this concrete sets up further and further as we go through the book of Hebrews. I hope that we're exciting you about the book of Hebrews because it's an exciting book. It's a wonderful book. It's a faith-building book. Got some, got some already several people here watching this online. Some are staying out in Exodus, that's fine. Some are watching online, some are watching different countries. All that's wonderful. Just watch it. Just be involved and keep studying. So Wednesday night, we will finish up chapter two. We'll go back and do a little reviewing, but we'll finish up chapter two. Do you have three? I think Greg will have three next, uh, next Sunday morning. Thank you so much. Wonderful comments.